in the in this movie, Man Facing Southwest, as an alien comes to the planet. Yeah, and so he figures the best place to hide out would be in an insane asylum. Yeah, so he goes to the insane asylum, and then he's then he's uh, he's given he's now is under the tutelage of his doctor, who's definitely in the uh, statement of the Course of Miracles, an unhealed healer. <laughs> the doctor's very ill <laughs> on a lot of levels, and so the alien is just. And so he follows the alien around, you know, and uh, and all the other inmates really like the alien and stuff. And then when he's at, he takes him out in public, and then the alien sees a guy who's cold. He takes his jacket off and gives him the jacket. So the doctor writes down these abnormalities, you know, which is just like <laughs> Christian behavior in a sense. And uh, and all everyone's liking the guy, and he, and every day and they're giving him pills, but he's not taking them, you know, which is allowing his mind to to access. It's juice he needs to access. So he goes out in the in the yard every day and he walks around, and then he finds a spot and he stands there with his eyes closed, and that's the man facing southwest. And he sorts gets gets sort of downloads from his home planet, yeah, which allows him to take the uh, severity of his place, yeah. So he has this download, and he's quite he's having this huge effect, and beneficial effect on the doctor and everyone else in the place. And yet, the more and more they they study him, the more and more they they want to, you know, clamp down on this guy. So then they say, "We're going to give you intravenous shots," and he can't fake that. So they start shooting him up. And then he's walking around the grounds, and he can't find the access point. Yeah, because his, his mind is too affected by that from the drugs. So he's just walking around, and now he doesn't have the energy to deal with us. <laughs> And he's getting burnt out, and then he's getting mad at the other inmates. They're starting to bother him, you know. And he's starting to isolate and go into himself, and he gets ill, you know, like a mental illness. And he walks around, but he can't find that place because he's got too much static from the drug in- injections. And he sort of fades out, and he sort of goes really bad. He's incredibly affected by this place that we call Earth, you know, the daily life of this place. And in a way. This this message is even beyond that because there's no place you need to find to stand in the yard. You are that. You are that which you feel maybe at best that you can somehow with some kind of practice access it. You are that which you're hoping that someday you'll be able to access if you get clear enough and purified enough and meditate enough and more and more and enough and enough and enough. But you are already that access point, right where you are at all times, with no requirement necessary. There's no place, you're not on the beam, and therefore you can't be off the beam. See, this is the only thing that can work here. As soon as it has a possibility of being so, then it has the possibility of being unso. It's an absolute, that's the only thing that works, yes? So let's say, so this whole idea that if I, I, don't, I don't need to find that sweet spot, yes? I, and the fact is, who's going to tell you that you found the sweet spot? The sweet spot or your own head? Your own head is going to judge you, judge how you're doing with God, in a way, yeah? So in a sense, in the relationship with God, you're the bigger God, because you'll be telling yourself, I'm close because I did all this good stuff, and I'm far away because I did some bad stuff, and you're, you're, the, you're, you're on the... You're, you're under the sway of the mental process playing God right then and there. Yeah. So in a sense, we're not questioning or trying to find out who we are. 
we're just questioning what we're not, you know? And what we're not is what we've taken ourselves to be. So if you question what you're taking yourself to be, and you start entertaining it, you may find out that you're not that, and then that's that, basically. There's no, you don't now take an about face and now try to find what you are. You can never find what you are. You are aring it now. You are being what you are. It's not an object for you to find. You are the living subjectivity of this event, yeah? So this whole idea is, I'm going to find my authentic self, or I'm going to find this, is all baloney in my, in my sense. It may, for other people, it may be true, it's just not true for me, yeah? And uh, so the immediacy of the solution is what really knocks you out, because it has an incredible quality of timelessness that's un... un it never not, it's never not that. It's... The solution doesn't take time to dawn on you. It may take time to be quote-unquote integrated, but it's an immediacy because it doesn't take any... If you were... How much time does it take to leave an imaginary place? None. No time whatsoever. How much time does it take to be freed from what's not happening? If you just saw it as not happening, what more would you need to do about it? Would it take any time... If the effects of last Friday can only be produced now by the thinking of it, yeah, by the returning to it, by attending to it, yeah, you would basically say that's actually not happening last week. The only way it can have any effect is by my, my mind, this mind, not mine, the mind, entertaining the possibility of that impossibility and then producing effects because of the power of mind. Not because of the power of two weeks ago. It has no power. It's not happening. How can what's not happening have an effect? It's just a vehicle for the mind, which is the cause of all effects here, to produce an effect. And so it goes into the past, and it can produce an effect now, thinking about three weeks ago. Yeah? And you may not think, why would it want to do that? It's not really about the, that, that feeling of contraction or this and that. It's a remembrance of self. That's what it's doing. Yeah? The thought system pictures you as a body. That's how it pictures you. When you think about you in the past, and you, or you think about you in the future, you're pictured as a body. Yeah? Like, what happened five weeks ago, you're, you're seen in the mind's eye as a body. And worrying about you in the future is anchored in the idea of you being a body and that thing's something not going well for that for that body. Yeah? And if it was another body, you'd probably care less, but it's your body. <laughs> you know? So what does it do? It thinks the system of thought thinks about you in the past and by doing that, it remembers you now. Yeah? Was that me? Yep. I didn't know I had a phone with me. It's cool. Now I know. I thought I left it at home. <laughs> yeah, so my head's remembering, my head's thinking about me in the past. Yeah? This is one thing we may not notice. It's remembering you now. Yeah? You cannot... Something that doesn't exist now... The only way it can appear to exist is to be remembered, yeah? If it doesn't exist now, 
And I'm saying there is no long-lasting independent separate entity in this moment. For it to appear to be so, it has to be remembered in this moment. How does it get remembered in this moment? The thought system thinks about it in the past, and it also remembers it by thinking about it in the future. It uses the future to remember itself too. So here, the logic is, I was there, yeah? Hey, I was there two, two years ago. That's why it's so important to me. It was me, supposedly, that that shit was happening to. Yeah? And I will be there, yeah? So I was there, I will be, I will be there, therefore I am here. Yeah? That's its, that's its verification. I was, I will be, therefore I am. And we're saying, wait a minute. <laughs> if I was truly that, I would, need, would not need to be remembered. I would need, there would be no need to remember that. I'd be busily that all day. Yeah? But inherently, you're not that all day. But we're remembering to be that then, and that we will be that later, and there's a referral or reference or an assumption or an insinuation that produces a sense of being a self. Yeah? That's why I talk about it as a sense of self. It's not a thought of self. The thoughts are about the past and the future. But the sense they produce by your mind entertaining it is a feeling of being that which was there and that which will be here, there, which is this body. Yeah? That's called the bondage of self. You're not bonded to self because self isn't a thing. Yeah? For me, I'm not bonded of this chair. I can get up. Yeah? For me to be, to be bonded, I have to be bonded to this chair. I'd have to have some handcuff or something that hooked me to this chair, yeah? I'm not bonded of this chair. I'm not taking myself to be a chair, yeah? So I'm not bonded. I'd have to be bonded to it for it to have any power over me. In the recovery, they say it's bondage of self. Bondage of self is, I think the chair's my ass, yeah? So when I think I'm going to get up, I take the chair with me everywhere I go. That's what the bondage of self is. If it was a bondage to self, it would be easy. You could find the right spiritual locksmith and they can release you from the handcuff of you, your, your inherent you-ness, from this inherent other, and you'd be free from the bondage to that chair. But if you're identified as the chair, you're walking around calling the chair your ass. Yeah? Buying some incredible crazy pants to fit it all in there. You know what I mean? <laughs> Seriously. That's the whole dilemma in recovery. Is to me the root of the problem, the root of the addiction, of all addictions, is the mental addiction to the idea of being a self. Yeah? To being a long lasting separate entity, which is the doer, the thinker, the feeler, the seer, the haver. Yes? Claiming all this, making claims of, like I was using this example lately. I had, a, my hair got longer and I hadn't been back east to do talks for a while. So when I went there, some people say, hey man, you're growing your hair. And I said, well, I'm actually not growing my hair. I'm just not cutting my hair. I'm not like taking two hours at the end of the week to grow my hair. 
So the language just implies I have something to do with something I have nothing to do with. Well, I'm telling you, it's implying that quite a lot. The language is implying that you have something to do with something you have nothing to do with. A lot. <laughs> and if this thing is kept, kept keeps getting repeated up here and repeated with conversations, it lulls us into this, this trance, in a sense. Yeah? And so that, why do you think the thought system is so preoccupied with the past and the future and really doesn't seem to be that interested in now? Why? Because now is... To be right now, it becomes obvious there is no you. Yeah? But if it's only thought about, and your attention's all about the past where you seem to be appearing, and the future where you are going to appear, therefore it's going to remember its set, this idea of being a self now by that preoccupation. Yeah? Look at the thought system. What does it value? Does it value this moment, or does it value the past and the future more? Just take a freaking honest appraisal. Does it value this moment? Or does it value the past or the future more? See where it lies. Yeah? Why? Because if you have work, it's like when you do something you love, like when you're going down that glacier on your ass, or if you're surfing or something like that. Yeah, You're so engaged in what's happening with the event, the seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, and this and that, there's no remembrance of self. You're not thinking about yourself in the past at that moment, and you're not thinking about yourself in the future. And there's the portal, there's the imaginary exit from where you think you're in. You're never in there anyway, but the feeling of being a self is now not being reinforced, so you feel fucking great. So then you think it's the surfing, or you think it's the glacier, and this and that. But to me, it was only a free sample of your inherent condition. Your inherent condition is always free from that bondage of self, because it's only a bondage of, not to. It's an activity. The activity is identification as self, which is causing me not to be able to recognize what is a foreign installment and what I am. I'm taking the foreign installment to be me, and that's the bondage of self. I'm never going to entertain I can get up from this chair, because I am the chair. Yeah. But as soon as someone points out to me, hey, bro, you're not that chair, my mind immediately, not before, but as soon as I hear that possibility, I entertain it, the next thing my mind entertains, hey, I can be free from this freaking chair. Yeah? I have a huge story. Now, the thing is, you may have a huge investment in the story about how this chair has fucked you your whole life, and, and therefore, when the freedom comes, there may be a reluctance to go for it, because your whole identification is rooted in being this chair. Yeah? <laughs> That's the second row. You realize you don't really want to be free. <laughs> Unless you can be free as a chair. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Let's forget that. I want to feel comfortable in this chair. A lot of things have happened in this chair. I don't want to. Yeah. And then you're then you're really. It's a that's a great revelation when that's revealed. Because then you can give up this whole idea that you have this noble endeavor to transcend yourself. It's all baloney. You can't transcend an imaginary place. 
The way you leave here is by being here. That's how you leave here. If you're truly here, you've basically left the mental here. Yeah? While you're trying to get out of here, you're in the mental here. I mean the mental slavery of a here that isn't actually here. It's all there and then. And you want to get out of that, for sure. You want to get out of that there and then. But you can't escape there and then because it's not a real place. What you do seemingly escape from is the here that you're truly looking for as your salvation. It's the last place you'll look. Because you've already called it what your mental take is on it. You know, This here sucks. Yeah, that's what my whole addiction was based on that. My whole addiction was trying to get out of where I couldn't get out of. <laughs> I mean, and I was a great, I would match my devotion to drugs to any spiritual devotee in the annals of scriptures. Any of them. I totally surrendered to that thing. I'd do anything to get it. I'd take whatever I could from you to get it. I prostituted myself for it. I did anything. I loved it. Yeah? And yet, there's no way you can get out of an imaginary place. Yeah. It's an impossibility. So in this way, what would happen if I entertained, I'm not that which takes itself to be the thinker. Why not just use an example if you go to AA meetings or recovery meetings? I remember when I went for the first few months and I came in with a very thick shell of terminal uniqueness. Yeah? I thought, no one thought like me, and no one ever felt like I did. No one did the heinous things I did. And I, was, I had a great story about that, man. And I was sitting in there, and then what happens with recovery is people gather together and share, you know, what? Their thoughts and their feelings and, their, and what they've done in life. And after a while, I could only come to two conclusions. How did these people get my thoughts? Or they're not my thoughts. Yeah. That was an incredible entertaining. If they're not my thoughts, and then I found out what that would mean if they weren't my thoughts. And what they meant was a freedom or a relief or a, or a lightening of the load of having every fucking moment I've been in more like a storage unit for the past and future that I can never be in. Yeah. So you get an experience, all right, so then the first thing was, hey, these are alcoholic thoughts. Right? There were some general ones you could recognize, but then a lot of them, I was still taking a lot of the other thoughts to be mine. But then my mind just expanded on the principle, if this isn't my thought, and this isn't my thought, this, maybe none of them are my thoughts. Yeah? And once the mind drops out of your life, man, instead of life's happening to you, it'll be life's happening. It's a whole different way of seeing things. Big time. And for me, it's all rooted in the absence of the mind, which is the act of being identified as the self. Because self is, its movement is the claim, it takes itself to be the doer, the haver, the thinker, the feeler, the taster, the toucher. That's what it does. If you see that, what would happen if you could just see that there is no doer? Where would all the guilt and shame that's been resting in your life rest anymore? Maybe you'd really be absolved of all those mortal sins you feel like you've committed without having to go to any court at all. Just an absolution by just recognizing you're not the doer. Yeah? What would happen to the thoughts if you weren't the thinker of them? I bet you you'd lose interest in them pretty quickly because they're fucking boring as hell. 
Yeah, you would. It would be like you're thinking of Stanley. I could care less about Stanley. There's no way I'm going to try to think about Stanley four years ago or think about Stanley five years from now. I'm fucking too much, too much uh, work. Yeah. So you start seeing these thoughts are about a, a, a you, but it ain't you. <laughs> it's about a you. And if you believe it, then it's you. <laughs> That's what happens. It's only a presentation of this imaginary action figure. <laughs> Once you believe it, you are seemingly the action figure. See, now you can never be the action figure. That's the good news. But it can sure seem to be so. Yeah, That's the power of mind. The mind is incredibly powerful. So if it believes something, it can seem to be so. Does it mean it's so? No, but it can sure seem to be so. Yeah, That's the highest level anything here can reach, is an appearance. It cannot be so. What's truly so is not appearing. You know? Well, it's appearing, but it's, yeah, it's hard. I don't want to get into that. But let's say what's appearing cannot truly be so. Because this is going to come and go. Just like if I took this chair... Let's say for 50 years this chair's been in the room. A lot of important people have. Oh, I left this here last week. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of important people have sat on this chair. A lot of profound things have been said, yes. And, uh, and you could see what would happen if I removed the chair. Would you see the chair anymore? The only way you, the chair would seem to appear would be in remembering it, yeah? Yeah, yeah. So, what would happen? Where would the effects of the chair show up? If it rubbed against this, or maybe on the rug. But would it have any effect in the space that it seems to have been in? Yeah? And when I removed the chair, would a, would a certain like space in the shape of a chair rush in so quickly, like a magician, so you wouldn't realize the void that was there, right? In other words, when I lift this up and remove it, do I have to move space back in? No, obviously not. This is basically appearing in space. Yeah? It's not taking up any space. Just like this wall. If you broke this wall down, you wouldn't have to rush in space. The space is here. But there's something appearing in the space, which is a wall. Yeah. So let's say, take me, this object. Now you were seeing me. I leave. Now you can only remember me. Because you're not seeing me anymore. But you remember me, you go, I remember last week and the other week, Paul was here, this and that. Yes. And what would happen if we move, if I moved? Would you have to like get a perfect space like, uh, that fit just like this space of this body was taking up? And then put it right in super, super quickly? You know? Or is this an appearance in the space? Yeah? that you perceptually see as a thing, but it may not be a thing, it may just be space. But perceptually, we're picking up things, space as objects. So this is appearing in space, but it's not taking up any space, and when it disappears, it won't, there won't be anything that needs to be added onto the space. Yeah? So let's say space is like the mind that you are, the big M mind, and then all these things are appearing in it, Yet everything that appears in it doesn't have much effect on the mind itself. Just like, this has no effect. I can't hit the space here. You know what I mean? I can't grab it or anything like that. 
And everywhere you are, basically, the biggest aspect of that, wherever you are, is space. <laughs> it could be really filled up if you're in a claustrophobic cell, but all of it is space. Yeah. So the mind is, a, is seeing appearances in space. The space is the vehicle. It's the medium for appearances to arise and then fall like you and I. This body, even though we see a bug that, that's born, a mayfly, and it's dead in a day, like 8 o'clock in the morning, and I've got to have some sex before 12 in the afternoon because I'm going to pass away, so the, they're really flying everywhere trying to, trying to keep, keep the old species going, you know? Now we think, oh yeah, that thing comes and goes, but we're in the same thing, just a different degree of time. But we came, seemingly, the body, and then it's going to go, Yeah? Yeah, yeah. But what doesn't come and what doesn't go? The space, yes. So in a sense, the biggest relevant point of this whole place is not what it's appear, not what it, what is appearing, but what it's appearing in. The space, because the space is what doesn't come and go. The space was is the mother and father of all things. All things come from nothing. Yeah. Well, your mind, or the mind, is much more uh, attuned with the nothingness of space than it is with the thingness. Like Jesus would say, you're in this world, but you're not of this world. You're not of thingness, yeah? You're of space, you're of spirit, yeah? But you're appearing, well, we think we're appearing in, but basically we're appearing through thingness, yeah? Yeah. So what happens if the mind entertains that it's not a thing? Find out. See what happens. For me, it's stabilized in a, as a form of traveling lighter over the last, I don't know how many years now. Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't say it's going to change the geography of your life, but you're going to travel over it lighter. Whatever it is, getting sick or not getting sick, getting a job, not getting a job. Who knows what's going to happen? in the destiny of this action figure expression. But I'm telling you, your mind will travel lighter over whatever it is. Yeah? And to me, that's extremely valuable here. Where, the, where the, the lack of attention to that can cause a heaviness in this life. You, know? you can be, you can be a, a vehicle for a very heavy expression here, or you can be a vehicle for a very light expression. Sort of like... We all have the same artist, and we're just a brush that that artist is expressing through. Yeah? Some have seemingly finer bristles, so more expression can get through. Other are cruder, so it's more broad strokes, yes? But the fact is, the, the subtlety of it is all coming from the artist. This is just a facilitator for an event, yeah? To take this to be the Alpha and the Omega is missing the whole point here. If you take this, if it's sort of like you wake up at square four, and then when you look at the game of life from square four, it looks like a totally different thing than if you look at it from square zero. Yeah? Totally different. When you're looking at it from square four with the idea that, with that sense of being a self, then the whole game is happening to you. When you're looking at it from square zero, the game's just happening. Yeah, it's totally different. With no thought or effort on your part. You can't work it out. It's just a shift of mind. You can't use the... If the aspect of a failed system is dominating your experience here, you can't use that to try to undominate your experience here. Yeah? 
You just see, like, what would you, where do you want to look in self-centeredness but at the self? If the whole system is centered on that, why go through all the peripheries? Why not go to the, to the sun of that solar system and see if it's actually the sun? Or is it a, a moon that's reflecting the sun's light? And we're taking that moon to be a sun. I would say that's the latter situation. Yeah? What would happen if you see or you entertain you're not a self, then the system of self-centeredness would lose its effect. Yeah? And then you start living from centeredness. And you feel it right now. Let's get the energy of it. Because it's fucking... It's like an unspoken yes, the sense of presence. I'm telling you, I've sensed it so many times through the shares. It just validates the whole invitation. You know? There's that silence, there's that pause of vibrating. So this is just a very simple invitation, just a message, not a dissertation, not a thesis. It's very, very simple. It's like if your car was broken down, if you had an old car, and you were had a friend with you, and then one guy, he'd open up the hood, he'd, you'd sit behind the wheel, and then you have a gas can, and you take the air filter off, and there's the carburetor, and you can't, the car's not going, you know? The car's there. Its potential is to go, but it can't, it's not going. So, you say, all right, bro, put some gas in and you pump, pump. And then you try it again. And then once it fires up, you stop putting gas in, yeah? If you pour more gas in, it's going to flood it again. This is what this message is. Message is just to be entertained. You just truck around during your day and see if some lightness starts occurring. And if it does, Entertain it, yeah, and see where it'll take you. And then you'll definitely see all the limits you want to put on everything. And if you're willing just to see it, not get off the operating table, don't take yourself to be the doctor, things will go. I mean, if you don't die, things are going to get really good. You'll have vistas with a certain type of mind, but like a childlike view, yeah? Your mind will be... The mind won't be so childlike, but the view will be childlike. The mind will be, like, expansive, yeah? And so wonder and awe and joy and things like that will happen quite a lot more than they have been, yeah? A lot of things will fall away without any attention. You know, you just get pared down as you entertain this possibility. And you'll really see the quote-unquote problem from the solution. From the solution, there is no problem. Yeah? 
But when the seemingly the problem seems to be you, it really feels like you're in a problem, so you need a solution. Yes? So let's say you entertain this idea. If you entertain this idea, it's going to dawn on you that the problem's imaginary. What need of there is, is there for a solution at that point? That's how freeing it is. There's no need for even a solution. Yeah? You don't have to have one, not one extra thing to carry along your way. It's more about getting pared down and economized. Incredibly. That's the thing, the problem, the activity of the problem is most afraid of. It's irrelevance, because it's truly irrelevant. And it's... If a stick touches that little point, you'll see it flare up. <laughs> because it's really... Uh, it doesn't like that to be sort of touched, man. See you later, bro. Yeah. Just, uh, but if you can, when you start seeing how irrelevant you are, it feels like uh, it's like you give up that small pond that's making you seem so big, and then you're in a vast ocean. You know, everything gets a lot larger. For you to seem big, your life's got to be really small. It's just that's the way it works. Yeah, for you to be all there is. All there is has to seem to be absent. <laughs> it just can't seem to... They can't coincide at the same time, you know. <laughs> so, that's just a possibility. I heard it like at a meeting like this years ago. I didn't do much about anything. Read a couple of books went to see certain people I wanted to hear share this entertained what was on offer different ways just walked around got in there and then uh, then after that the rest of my job as this was just to find out that's what happened basically by its expression I started to see it for what it is by its expression through you know and it was like it became the last answer, and I haven't found a new one since. Nor have I been looking, which I think is a really good answer. And uh, I'm entertaining it just like I entertained it earlier. Yeah. There was more of a point of view in the prior earlier, and now there's less of a point of view about it, just like free-range entertaining in a way. Yeah. So we do these talks. I don't even know why. Hmm. I'll tell you, just let it go back. Let's say your life is like a a row of knots, yeah? Let's say, the, let's say relationships don't go well. Like in recovery, they say we're incapable of having a viable relationship with another person. That's a sort of a drag, eh? <laughs> Considering there's so many people around here, I can't have a viable relationship with anyone. 
and then or let's say money or health and all these knots, and then we try to work on them individually. We don't see the connectedness of everything. Yeah, maybe you do, maybe you don't, but usually a lot of people don't. And so let's say you take workshops on relationships and you get a little better for a while, so then you you start proselytizing for this book you read and then the seminars, but then it, all, it hits the fan again. So now you're cursing that seminar leader and fuck that book, you know? And so the knots maybe temporarily loosen up, but only in, but only to knot up again. What would happen if you sort of got to a first knot? Yeah? And I'm saying the first knot is the act of being identified as a self. Yeah? And you look and that and you entertained or questioned that a little. Yeah, not in a concentrated manner, just checking it out. And grace was there and things dawned on you. And what happens is this first knot has a thread that runs through all the other knots. Yeah? The other knots don't have a thread that runs back to this knot, but this knot runs through all the other knots. Yeah? When this loosens up, you're going to see its effects all the way down the line. You know, like Jesus says, you'll know the tree by its fruits. Yeah? You'll see, you can't know the tree, but you can know it by its fruits. Yeah? You'll see it, you'll intimate, hey, this where it's coming from, but you can't know where it's coming from, but you'll intimate it by its effects. Yeah? So here's the second knot, let's say for some of us, which is alcoholism or addiction. And you come into recovery, and the first knot's still in place. You're identified as a self, yeah? Now you've got, you're definitely sure you're a bad self, you know, you've got tons of guilt and shame for what you think you've done. And as you've been convicted, you're never going to get released, really. I don't care how much service you're going to do. You're probably still going to be, you'll be in your own little prison because it's like a vice-like case has been getting, you know, you, you've just been convicted, you know. <laughs> so, in recovery, you come in, and the first step says, we were powerless over alcohol. Now, powerless over alcohol, I use the old example of, like, if you were dancing with a gorilla, you're going to stop when the gorilla wants to stop. Yeah? You have no say in the matter. The dance is going to continue on as long as the gorilla wants to dance. Yes. So, in this statement, if you, are, if you really get that you were powerless over alcohol, you would assume that it would lend itself to you being released from the guilt and shame about all those acts you did under the influence of alcohol. Yeah? You would think so, wouldn't you? If you really get that you're powerless, you would see, would, that would lead, it seemed like a natural consequence would be, you'd be let off your own hook. Because you would realize that this, this foreign installment, this gorilla, was basically calling the tune. Yeah? But... So here's the second addiction, let's say, and you're getting relief from the second addiction. But the first addiction, one of its main aspects is that you're the doer. You're the doer. Whatever's ever happened through this, you've been doing it. <laughs> you know? You've been doing it. Whatever's happened through this, you've been doing it. Yeah? So here, you have, you're very convinced, you have a really pretty good understanding, but it's not translating into an ease and comfort from all that guilt and shame, because the first addiction is overriding the second influence. This is the real influence. Yeah? And this influence is, you are the doer. You did all that stuff. You're not let off the hook with this fucking idea of being powerless. You were, you, you, you had a say in it. 
You didn't, that shouldn't, it was because of you that it happened. Yes? Test it. So, that field of guilt and shame isn't affected at all by the second level of relief. It's producing guilt and shame that carries over to the, into the solution that AA provides. And people are still incredibly guilty and shameful about things they thought they did. Yet, the first step says you were powerless over alcohol or drugs. So, obviously, when I was under their influence, I was apt to do anything. Yet, the conditional mind is still mining and harvesting tons of guilt and shame based on being the doer. Now, what would happen if you went to the first addiction and got relief there? You'd get relief from the guilt and shame about all the shit you did. Because you would have a very strong hit. You didn't do it. Yeah. The proof would be in the pudding. You would realize I hadn't gotten to the real root of the problem because it was still producing effects while I was in what I called the solution. Yeah? I was still being a conveyor of the problem while I'm in the solution. So let's take it a step back. Is it obsession with self? No. The mind that's identified as self obsesses over the idea of being self to do what? To keep gluing the mind to this idea of being a self. Because it's an unholy bond which actually never takes hold. It only seems to. And the application of the glue has to happen a lot all the time, which is the thought system going on in your head right now. Yes? It's the freaking narrative of a life based on you. All day. And we're speaking a language that keeps inferring and implying and insinuating that I am somehow have something to do with things I have nothing to do with. In a sense, you have nothing to do with life other than a conveyor of it. <laughs> You're not the driver. There's like this ride at Disney World where they have a, there's a boat, there's a waterway, and you get on a boat, and there's like eight steering wheels, which sure sort of told you something when you get on the boat. <laughs> and then every, and then so everyone thinks they're the driver of the boat, and then they go right. They think they went right, and a hippopotamus comes up, and they're, ah! and they go, oh, jeez, I shouldn't have done that, and they get guilty for going that way. And then they go left, when, and they get, they steer clear of the crocodile, and they go, ah, you see, you see. And they're all taking themselves to be the doer, but there's a big metal rod on the boat, and it's being controlled by a computer in some fucking office. Yet their story, even if they're told that, the feeling will be that they're the doer. Even if, they are, even if it's revealed to them, they have nothing to do with it, they'll still feel like they have something to do with it. Yeah? Isn't that what happens? It's freaking insane. I saw a movie where the guy, he thinks he's a guy, yeah, and he has all these pictures of being a guy on Earth, and he's working on the moon, and he's, he's on a five-year job, and he's the only guy who's running this whole facility that's mining this, this new energy source that they found. And uh, he's got this whole story about he's going to be off in a week or two. And then something happens. He has to go out uh, to one of the harvesters. There's a big crash. Yeah? Yes? Yeah? And what happens is he finds someone there. And it's him. Looks just like him. And then he, he brings that other one back and they realize they're clones. Yeah? But they realize they're clones on the basis of being a person. The person overrides the evidence that they're a clone. Yes? This is the identification as self. 
You can have everything clearly pointed out to you that you had nothing to do with that, yet you'll feel like you had something to do with it. Yes? The revelation, I'm a clone, but I'm a clone as a person. What a fucking crazy person I am taking myself to be a clone. There's no person. The clone was programmed to feel like a person. <laughs> it's fucking crazy. I get it. I know. No, you don't know. <laughs> Recognize the problem. It's insidious. It will regroup. You know when you like break mercury and it goes in and then it regroups. It regroups. Spiritual experiences will be like a minor speed bump to it. It'll morph into a spiritual self. <laughs> what its idea of spiritual self? Nothing here is noble to it. It'll fucking use eight thousand, you know, eight thousand spiritual years spiritual practices just as much as you know something else to claim itself to be the one. Yeah, that's all it does. It's an activity, a parasitical movement. It's sort of like, and it's going to keep on doing that movement. Yeah. The thing is, the mind has the ability to wake up because it's awake. Yeah. If it was truly asleep, it would never wake up. The fact is, it seems to be asleep, and it's inherently awake. That's what we're attempting to entertain. Yeah? And not directly. We're entertaining what I am as maybe I'm not. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let's just see if I'm the thinker of everything. Am I the feeler of everything? Am I the doer? You know? If you find one example where you weren't, expand on it. Maybe you've never been the doer. Yeah? What happens then? You'll find out. Yeah? To give you an answer would be totally a mistake because it won't even, you'll have a conceptual idea of what I'm saying, which will now be held as that thing I'm talking about, which it isn't. It's just you'll find out. Just entertain it or don't, you know. You don't want to, maybe, you know, you have nothing else to do on a Wednesday night, come back here. It doesn't matter what you're thinking you're doing. The mind, if it gets it, you'll get it. It'll download and you'll see. No matter what your idea is, you'll be drawn different places, you'll be entertaining, you'll start feeling, hey, I'm the source of peace. <laughs> you know what I mean? Whatever. <laughs> you know, and you don't have to wait or try to uh, talk what that, narr- that little voice box to talk it into going with you. Fuck it. Yeah? I see a lot of people come to these meetings and they're still waiting to get it. <laughs> they're not going to get it. You cannot experience your own absence. You're not going to be there. <laughs> That's the whole point. There's an old, there's a guy I used to like, and uh, he had a great joke where he, uh, he was at a spiritual meeting and he says, hey, what will you take, uh, uh, enlightenment or a million dollars? So everyone as a good spiritual seeker said enlightenment. And he said, no, I'd take the million dollars because at least I'd be there to enjoy it. <laughs> it's funny, but it's right on point. It's exactly what it's like. <laughs> and it's not like the self is dismissed, it was never here. The only level it can reach is appearance, and that takes a lot of mental work, even for that to seem to be so. I mean, it's, you cannot believe how much energy is... is uh, saved by all of that fucking activity. You know? 
It's like trying to blow up a doll that has a lot of pinholes in it. You know, you just keep you have to keep blowing it to make it seem to be so. That's what the selfing. That's what the selfie is doing all day. It's just go. How many? You know, I paint houses sometimes. Actually, I just like painting rooms now. Preferably just walls, so I don't have to look up either ceiling. So it doesn't take me seventy thousand thoughts a day to do a paint job. You know, but that's what they say the mind has. There's 70,000 thoughts a day. What are they doing? Do you need 70,000 thoughts to navigate a Wednesday? No. Maybe, for me, maybe 25. What are the 69,975 else doing? They're reinforcing the sense of being a self. That's their job. Yeah. They're not promoting. They're promoting a you. They're not promoting you. They're not leading you to happy, joyous, and free. They're promising to lead you to happiness, joyous, and free. Yeah? They never deliver the goods. It's always a, you know, it's a layaway plan, you know? They say, it says, jump through 50 hoops, you jump through the, it adds a few more hoops. Because you can't deliver the goods. Yeah? It's just a mental form of agitation. How can it find peace and stillness? To me, I lost interest in it because it wasn't me. That's the whole key. All those thoughts that I've lost interest in, it, the, loss, the loss of interest is rooted in I stopped taking myself to be the object of the thoughts. I just did. It just dawned on me. You know, I'm not that. And therefore, my interest and attention, which had to be there to propel the thoughts into the past and into the future, I mean, fuck it. It's like a huge booster rocket to go nowhere. <laughs> to go into what's not happening and bring something back is a lot of fucking work, you know? But when I realized I wasn't that, I lost interest in a lot of it, yeah? And I'm not trying to be in the moment. I realize you can't be out of a moment. What's the point of trying to get into what you can't be out of? Well, like that. Things just became, red became red and blue is blue. It just became obvious to me. And it hasn't become unobvious for a while. It just sort of stabilizes and yeah. Yes. Well, that's that. Any questions tonight? Yeah. So then empathy, is that just self doing somebody else's selfing? Empathy may be like a bastardized interpretation of a good movement though. Yes? There's beautiful movements of mind that have been claimed and then bastardized. Like virtue, virtuous acts. So like in AA they talk about it. The person who's self-centered can be virtuous and kind. So the virtue and kindness is a very nice little expression. But it's been claimed by selfing and now it's being used for its own, its own uh, value. Selfing's value, yeah? So empathy is a very nice feeling to have. It's seen, but then again, when the story about it arises, it's usually after the fact it's been claimed, yeah? Which is what selfing does. It claims everything that uh, comes about, yeah? But in empathy, I'm, I'm claiming your thoughts. Hmm? But it, with at least in empathy, in terms of the bastardized version, I'm claiming your thoughts. Yeah, exactly. There's always the claiming. This, this first movement is the claim, selfing. That's what it does, yeah? So... It doesn't have a life, so now it's my life. You know, it claims it. 
thinking thinker, hearing the hearer, yeah, feeling the feeler. Yes? When you realize what's seeing isn't the eye that's seeing, it's a it's something of no thingness, let's say they, they say the movement of it, of mind there is consciousness. So consciousness is what's seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, yes, the five gates of experience here. Yeah. But the head has claimed to be the one who's conscious. So now you become the seer. See, that's what it does. It's like a heist. It's done very quickly. So we usually come to after the heist is in place. So we start at square four. Yeah. And from square four, the game looks like a certain thing going on. And then the mind wants to validate its opinion, so it keeps reasserting how true it is, yeah, being right all the time. But if it would be... If it woke up at any square on the game board, it would realize it was at square zero. And then after a while, if you wake up at square 23, and then you get a hit of um, square zero, and then square 54, square zero, square five, square zero, you realize all there is is square zero, and square 54 appears, square 23 appears, square 11 appears to you. Yeah, There needs to be a you for it to appear to just like false evidence is false evidence, but it can appear to be real to us. Yeah? That's the power of mind. Yeah? But the only the only way the mind in this dream can make something so is for it to appear to be so. It can't make what's so, because what's so is, yeah. But it can make things that aren't so appear to be so. This is sort of like a dream, yeah. And in a way, it can move as into a very nightmarish state, or it can be a lighter dream. And, you know, I would say uh, the mind, you know, it matters where its proclivities are. Mind tends to move towards the lighter. It's sort of much more enjoyable. Yeah. You don't get to be special in it, that's for sure. You know? And you don't get these high peak experiences anymore. It's sort of like instead of having the noble experience of surrendering, you're surrendered. And it just becomes a basic fact in your life or state. But that Petri dish grows some really cool shit in it. Surrendered. Really cool stuff. And, uh... I mean, really, really cool stuff. And so basically, what that's all we're doing is, like in recovery, they talk about, you know, perhaps there's a better way First he says, why are you in so much fear today? And he says, isn't it because self-reliance has failed us? So self-reliance is, a, is the failure is systemic. Yeah, It's a system called self-centeredness. Yeah? Self, we're relying on a system of mind called self-centeredness, which has failed us and is provoking a lot of fear and anxiety, which is also, like Bill W. says, fear is the activator of character effects. And then if you follow a little farther, character effects will now uh, tend to lead you somewhere into behavior. The behavior will cause consequences, yes? And then you'll usually go back to the fear again, yeah? Which will activate the character effects and so on and so forth. And you get stuck in this loop and you want relief, so you'll do almost anything. You'll get loaded even though it's a crazy fucking idea. The imperative is to feel a little bit lighter, yeah? And it's a really addictive, like, like a loop of slavery in a way. What would happen is if you went back past the fear, what's activating the fear is reliance on self. And I can't see how you can be more relied on self than being identified as one. 
I think that's like the highest form of reliance. So I would say the activator of fear in my life is the identification as a self, which sets off that whole loop of constant, you know, the character defects like that. What happens? How am I going to alter that if I don't get to the root of it? It ain't fear. Fear is an effect of the reliance on self. Yeah? It just seems like a good diagnosis. And I, you know, and I applied it on my own life, and I've seen it. It's verified itself by the cure, you know? <laughs> you can't have more verification than that. <laughs> it's a partial cure. No, it isn't a partial cure. It's not anything like that. It's like a... It's a timeless... Override of a of a problem that can, that can only seem to be in time. That's what happens. The timelessness really sheds light on its its uh, irrelevance or its un its its unsubstantiality. Yeah, you see it. It had it's a process that has to happen, which takes time to produce this feeling of being a self. You didn't have it when you were a baby for quite a while. You grew into it. And it's being sustained by this mental process called selfing. And after a while, we're in such the habit of it, yes? We just constantly go to that fail point, fail um, thing. You know, we always go back and refer and apply. As all the thought thinking can do and all the interpretation of life can do is infer and assume and imply that there's a someone. There is no someone. It's just fingers pointing at the moon. There is no moon. When you see, you can be awake and see the pointing, and then not have the mind make the leap into what it thinks is being pointed at. The pointing, and then the mind makes the leap into what it thinks is being pointed at. There is a place there that that can be interrupted, the pause, and that's where peace lies. The selfie will continue, but the mind won't make the leap into taking itself to be a self. Maybe it'll take itself to be what's seeing that, all that. And then you'll realize all it is is seeing. Yeah? Yeah. So, there you have it. You've been served the spiritual subpoena, honey. There you go.